Howdy, folks. You're listening to the High Res, Low Res podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Fischel. This is the first episode of the podcast, and I want to thank you for listening in. Interviewing creative people about their creative practice and journey has been a hobby of mine for over a decade at this point. It started off in 2010 as a blog called Non-Slick that I contributed to with my friend and Canadian illustrator, Pete Ryan. It lived on Blogspot and then briefly on Tumblr and then again briefly as an Instagram live concept into the pandemic. Even after Non-Slick was put on the back burner time and time again, I still wanted to continue interviewing folks about their creative journey. And I have done so in a few different venues, but one big moment for me was when I organized and moderated two talks at the Society of Illustrators, both titled The First Four Years. The first one you can still watch on YouTube. The talk was named after the black flag record of the same name, but also for the academic theory held by many at the time that rarely do illustrators coming out of art school become overnight successes, and that for many, it can take up to four years to build enough momentum in your creative practice to sustainably live off of your work you produce. I don't believe in that theory like I once did many years ago. In the last two years, I've been interviewing guest speakers, illustrators and artists mostly, for classes I teach as an adjunct. These recent interviews have brought me to these conclusions. There is really no time measurement of guaranteed success. You're going to get there when you get there. There are more paths and opportunities to have a sustainable creative practice today than there were when I graduated from undergrad. And success in, is in the eye of the beholder. No one's vision of success is greater or lesser than another. Everyone has different priorities and different visions of how they see their path and future. I'm really looking forward to continuing to learn and to share with you all of these conversations I have in this project in this new format. Our first guest on the show is Ben Curry. Ben Curry is an illustrator and art director at Huffington Post. Before that, they were working at Gizmodo Media as a senior designer. He is a denim aficionado and very much into men's fashion. He really geeks out a little bit on this podcast. I've known Ben for years, and I think that you'll really enjoy this conversation. If you liked our conversation and all of the other podcasts to come, please rate, comment, and review the podcast, and be sure to subscribe to the show too. If you have questions, comments, please email me at goodbadjpeg at gmail.com. Here's my conversation with Ben Curry. So Ben, when did you actually move to Brooklyn? I moved to Brooklyn in 2018, so almost going on five years. Wow. Yeah. I feel like that means you're five years away from being like a real New Yorker, as they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's a there's a rite of passage. Once you get to once you get to ten years, you know, you can say you're you're a New Yorker. So. Yeah, and especially because you're like, I remember the days when we all used Metro cards, and now we all yeah. just tap our phones to get onto the subway. Yeah, I'm kind of torn about that. On one hand, it's it's definitely more convenient. I've been using it a lot, but like, mm -hmm. there's something about just having a physical Metro card and feeling mm -hmm. like you're a part of like, I don't know, just like a part of the ethos in New York that I feel like is going to be lost without you know, like the cards and like right, the, and also like a sense of privacy too yeah. like you know you they like basically know where you get on and get off at kind of yeah. with uh the app now kind of yeah. um 
But what drew you to come to New York anyway five years ago? Um, I think I I had just finished art school a couple years before that, and I was working in the service industry um, and for years. And I wanted to make the transition to being full-time freelance and like working uh, full-time in editorial. And New York was kind of like the next step on that journey for me. Um, mm-hmm. I knew a bunch of the magazines were here, art directors were here. Um, a lot of agents are based out of New York, and so I wanted to come here and make things happen. Cool. I mean, so I, I have a I have a personal question before we kind of go mm-hmm. back because I want to go and I want to talk about like your beginnings of living in you know Illinois and mm-hmm. then going to community college and then actually going to MCAD, which I think is uh, uh, Minneapolis College of Art and Design. Yep, correct. Um, so, like, did you have a hard time finding a barber in New York? I mean, that's, uh, that's something that I've had a trouble with uh, being here. Yeah. Uh, well, for me, I think it's a little bit easier because, uh, as you can see, I don't have hair. So I don't really have to worry <laughs> about facial hair, right? Um, so I think I did it for myself for most of the time. And then maybe about a few months before the pandemic started, I started uh, going to neighborhood cut and shave in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found this barber that I really liked, AJ. Uh, I hope he's still there. I haven't been in over three years, but he was the only person I would go to for my beard. Um, and I, I kind of got lucked out. It was a, a recommendation. A friend of a friend told oh. me to go. And, you know, uh, you walk in, they offer you a shot of whiskey. And then, uh, you know, you you just you just mess around with the barbers for like uh, an hour. And it was great. That's it, that's such a New York thing. Did you ever experience anything like that in Minneapolis? No, not at all. Well, oh my gosh. Oh. Uh, well, I mean the the, the the fun community aspect. I definitely didn't walk into a place and get a shot of whiskey, though. I think that's mm. uh, <laughs> that's you just true. heard a lot of drama. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Well, t- tell me about uh, Illinois. What was it like growing up in Illinois, and whereabouts was that? I, I don't want to assume. In- a sh- I don't want to assume Chicago. Okay. Um, I usually just tell everybody Chicago because I grew up in this like tiny hole in the wall town, maybe 45 minutes away from Chicago called Joliet. Um, And it the economy wasn't great. Um, It was either working, you know, retail or you, uh, you know, worked in Chicago. You had essentially commute every day. Um, an hour to and from, and you would get a job in the city. But uh, I worked at a hardware store for many years, uh, you know, through high school and then through those first couple years of community college. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was very different. It was very small, small and insulated. Um, I also grew up pretty religious, so it was just like a, you know, tiny Midwestern uh, religious town. There's a lot of beige, a lot of beige, a lot of corn, what uh what domination was the town? Um you mean just like Yeah, religion. Yeah. Uh I I think mostly Catholic, but I grew up Baptist. That was okay. my family is like pretty uh pretty devout Baptist. I hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up in um a, like a family that went to Lutheran churches and mm-hmm. and everything. So I totally understand where you're coming from with that. Mm-hmm. Um 
So what did you study at the community college and what community college did you go to in Illinois? Uh, I went to Joliet Junior College, one of the first junior colleges in the country, actually. Um, and I went uh, and studied video game design, actually, for a couple years with an emphasis on 3D modeling. Um, and so I did that program and got some gen eds out of the way. Um, and then once I completed the program, I realized that I wanted a more art-focused kind of concentration, and they weren't really offering that at the community college. Um, I wanted to physically draw and sketch um, characters and, you know, concentrate on mm -hmm. world building and versus, like, working in Maya or, like, ZenBrush. Um, and so I was kind of kind of like floating around in a mentor I had at the time, Steve Shirell. He's a painter in Illinois. Um, he kind of, he was my mentor and he kind of took over like a fatherly role after my dad passed years ago. Uh, and, you know, we had class one day and he was like, you know, you'd be a great illustrator. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I got to get out of Illinois. So sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, I applied to a few schools and uh, got into MCAD. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, who were some of your mentors at MCAD? Oh, so many. Um, probably my first one, I would say, um, Jason Greenberg. Um, I haven't talked to him in a while. He was teaching at, after MCAT, he was teaching at uh, University of the Arts in Philly for a long time. I don't mm -hmm. know where he's at now. Um, Jamie Williams, uh, Tom Garrett, Linda Frichtel. Um yeah, those are probably, like, my main instructors that I vibed with. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Brown, he's a phenomenal uh, comic artist, person of color in the Twin Cities. He also does, like, um, these amazing animations, and I learned a lot from him. Mm -hmm. Did you uh, at all, like, what, what, what were some of the things that you... What was like the big things that you learned from the college and what were some things that you wish the college really offered or mm. taught you at, at the time that you were uh, mm -hmm. like there as a student? Um, I think the main thing I learned was just kind of perseverance, but then also the importance of uh, friendships and the connections you make. I would say by and large, most of the materials, techniques and just kind of ins and outs I've learned through friends. And just like community, even more so than like the courses. Mm -hmm. I think at a certain point, the courses can teach you something, but, you know, everything comes together with your own experimentation and like how you work through those things that they teach you. Um, I guess things that I wish I would have learned more of. Um, mostly just kind of like business stuff. I felt like when I graduated, there was like a a big kind of void of information that I was just like, you know, I, I got to figure this out. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think also my, the curriculum I picked for myself was like very much like illustration intensive. And I definitely would have wished that I would have done more like design and motion graphics while I was there. Just kind of, mm -hmm. uh, I think the market is in a very different place than like where it was when I was in school. Um, and even my instructors, I think, I think uh, the market, you know, just kind of like the workforce just kind of developed on its own. And it, you know, graduating, I felt like it was a little behind. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it 
it, I think when it comes to academia, this is something that I've learned is that it takes um, two or three years to actually like shift an entire department. And by the time you shift an entire department, uh, the whole industry has moved like a couple of miles to the left and to yeah. the right. And you're like, oh, it's mm-hmm. not exactly the same. Uh, so did, when you were living in Minneapolis, did you uh, submit any work or hang out at the Light Gray Art Lab with Lindsay, mm-hmm. Matt and Jenny and, and the whole crew there? Yeah, uh, Lindsay was actually my instructor for a couple of classes. Mm-hmm. Uh she was an incredible instructor. I had her for a professional practice, and it was it was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> she is like one of the most supportive people in like my creative endeavors that I've had over like my entire kind of college career. Um, and I I did enter into a few shows at Light Gray, and I know Jenny and um, Chris as well. So, and I guess like the last thing I kind of want to pin before we kind of move on to. Uh you know, post-graduation is, uh, was there anyone like in your class of illustrators or even above in the next class up or below, uh, that, you know, became successful illustrators that you can point to and say like, yeah, like this department has put out successful illustrators and, Mm -hmm. you know, it, you know, even though the department in itself, has you know some issues and some things that needs to work out like no department's really perfect mm-hmm. uh like what are some like illustrators that you can note that like came out uh around your time around your tenure of being a student there um three of my really good friends uh bobby rogers jared tuttle connor rice uh all three of them work in very different areas of illustration uh and they are all just so talented um, there are a lot of people in that program that I still keep up with. Uh, mm-hmm. my best friend here in New York, Zach Mathry, um, we moved here together and he went to school for illustration as well. That's how we met. Uh, we've been friends for almost 10 years at this point. Um, and now he lives here and he works as a designer. So it's interesting seeing, you know, like the pivot. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, so, you know, how long did you live in Minneapolis post-grad before moving to New York and how was freelancing as an illustrator or, and or designer, like in that time living in Minneapolis? Uh, I lived in Minneapolis for about three years. Yeah. Cause I think I, uh, I graduated in 2015. I did a couple years at community college and then I had to, basically start start over when I transferred schools so mm-hmm. it took me a while to get done um, and yeah uh, I was freelancing here and there um, in Minneapolis I was mostly working right. in service industry I feel like I got more work and it started snowballing once I moved here because when I right. first moved here I was like really on it uh, well, sending like promo yeah, what, what's the magic of working in New York then that mm-hmm. like everything just kind of jump started for you because you don't have to live in New York to mm-hmm. be an illustrator. Uh, you can live anywhere in the world, really. Yeah. I think specifically with like conceptual editorial work, mm-hmm. uh, the work that I work in even today, I think it was pretty essential for me to be physically here um, at that time just because I was able to meet illustrators in the community and get connections that way. And also, 
I set up a lot of in-person portfolio reviews at magazines like the New York Times, Scientific American with Michael Merak, um, where I would just meet with a team of art directors in person, uh, Jennifer Prandanto at Time Magazine, um, and I would just kind of pull up my work on an iPad and then talk to like five or six art directors at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you can't really do that anywhere else. Um, you know. I feel like you could, but you'd have, but they would probably be like, oh, we've never done that before. And then, you know, give you a whole tour of like Mm -hmm. their like little building that they're in, which is kind of cool. Um, But, oh, cool. So you did the very old school, traditional, like knocking on doors kind of thing. And then you started getting work that way. So how long, so you were, what I remember you were working as a barista Mm -hmm. um, in, in the city uh, right. the city of Manhattan where money yeah. is being made. Uh, so like when you quit there, you ended up getting a full-time gig at geo media, which mm-hmm. is Gizmodo, uh, and everything. Um, how excited were, were you at the time to get that gig and tell me about your first day, uh, working oh. there? Uh, oh man. Um, yeah. So I, I had, Finished my time uh, as a barista, and I had done a small internship at Penguin, actually, as a graphic designer. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And then I was kind of art directing and helping with, like, color proofs and also doing kind of um, just, like, like the page layout for some of the books. And then, uh, actually, a year to the day of me moving out to New York, I got called for an interview for that position. Um and the person interviewing me was actually from Minneapolis, so a <laughs> small world. Um, I was so excited but terrified because it was, like, a full-time in-house position. I had never had, like, uh, you know, like a typical kind of nine-to-five with, like, benefits and all that stuff. And I was just like, I was just like, oh, God, please don't mess this up, you know. Uh, I was dealing with, like, so much imposter syndrome. <laughs> uh, and then I was working also alongside Angelica Alzona. Uh, Chelsea Beck, Elena Scotty, and uh, Jim Cook is the art director who hired me. And so just like this giant, this like amazing team of like this all-star talent, you know, and I'm like literally two weeks, like two weeks ago, I was like making coffee. (laughs) So (laughs) it was, it was scary, but I learned so much from them. Yeah. Um, And then your first day, like how was your first day there? Yeah, uh, the first day was great. We had this super sick office in Chelsea, and it was just like me meeting the entire GO team, um, and then just kind of learning the reins of everything. And then um, I think my first piece there was actually uh, it was right after Endgame had come out, uh, like right after the Thanos snap that everybody was like freaking out about. And I think mm-hmm. that was like my first piece. Uh, it was so bad. I'm so glad that they kept me on and like <laughs> gave me more chances, you know. Oh yeah. But so I so the one thing that I know about them is that they like a lot of uh media companies is that they have a union behind them and mm-hmm. I was wondering how like involved were you with the union, union actions and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I uh, definitely I was involved. I wasn't like on the committee. Right. Um because that was also really new to me, too. That was the first time I had ever had a job with a union. 
Um, but just kind of like observing that and seeing how hard that they fought for everyone, the GMG union, uh, they were part of the writer's guild and just like how they showed up for us. It really kind of changed my perspective on unions and like not really see the importance of it, especially with like the turmoil, uh, that that company has faced in the last couple of <laughs> years. Oh yeah. I, I definitely know, uh, that for sure um, me being involved in unions and now is in a teacher in teachers unions which is really mm-hmm. fun all their ball game so uh you've now transitioned into a new role as an art director at Huffington Post like mm-hmm. what's the big differences and challenges uh that you're now facing as an art director versus an in-house illustrator maybe designer sometimes kind of thing at a um, hmm uh, it was actually like a really kind of smooth transition. I think my position at Geo Media really prepared me for this because um, I do a lot of the same things. I think uh, now I just kind of like I focus on hiring talent uh, and I'm just it's just kind of like a few steps above. Right. So it's just like taking what I was doing at Geo Media and then also doing like these other kind of like more management things. Um I do a lot more photo collaging these days, which I really like. So it's been nice to like kind of take a break from drawing. Like I drew every single day for like three years straight. So it's Mm -hmm. really nice to switch that up. Do you Uh, have like inspirations when it comes to photo collage work? Is there anyone in particular you've been looking at as like inspiration or is there like kind of a, like a brand Bible that has examples that you kind of have to follow by? Um, Yeah. Uh, Recently I've been really looking at, um, Lincoln Agnew, his work is incredible. Um, and then Pep Montserrat, uh, actually just hired Pep recently, um, for a piece that is hopefully running soon. Um, but, uh, they're both like incredible kind of collage, uh, hand-drawn artists. Um, I look to them a lot and honestly I just do the old fashioned like Pinterest board thing. Pinterest is like been a lifesaver for me. Um, you know, before I got this job when I was looking on how to, you know, kind of execute like a, a conceptual piece, but now just for like kind of getting style references. Um, yeah. Uh, so how, how do you find illustrators? Do they contact you or mm-hmm. is it, you know, Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest, I guess, now too as well? Um. I do get a lot of portfolio submissions, um, but honestly, I find most illustrators through Instagram, a lot of them are people that I've been following for like years and years Mm -hmm. or have chatted with. Um, A lot of them I've met here in New York. Um, I've met a lot of people through you too as well. Yeah. Um, So a little bit through Twitter. I think recently, like I kind of put out some calls for art for uh, Latin latina heritage month uh and like breast cancer awareness month i kind of put out a call for art that i was looking for um just like a diverse community of illustrators um because representation is really important to me and that's like the main thing i look for when i'm hiring Mm -hmm. um and so twitter has been really helpful in that respect um i don't really know about the trajectory of twitter currently but uh a few months ago you know yeah i mean uh so we're recording this in november and this Mm -hmm. is going to be published in january so you know 
Uh, maybe I'll add a little tack here to kind of give an update on, you know, what happened with Twitter. So we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see what happens. So now that you're on the other side of the email inbox, uh, you know, you don't have to name names, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but what is the most surprising things and most damning things that you've seen happen with illustrators? Uh, via email? Uh, just in like working with illustrators now. Yeah. Um, and like is every kind of piece of advice, you know, art directors have given you or and kind of told you about their hangups and shortcomings and things with working with mm-hmm. illustrators like true or... Is it like kind of unique to your own experience? Um, I definitely think it's true. Like I, I've seen some like pretty kind of garbled emails, or uh, you can definitely tell that like somebody is just cold emailing me and like emailing images and like portfolios of things that have nothing to do with what I hire for. Um, you know, and then like just kind of, I think this is just the case with like working with freelancers and managing freelancers um yeah i mean being late is like not good <laughs> like if i hire you <laughs> you know uh being late or just like uh communication stuff that's been like uh interesting right uh seeing the ins and outs of that um and when it comes to working with illustrators what are some of your best experiences working with illustrators mm-hmm. Oh, man. Um, I worked with this illustrator, Emma Hortas. I hope I am not butchering their name. But they gave me some of the most amazing sketches that I've ever seen. So many color studies. And, like, just went above and beyond. And then, you know, like, even for the piece that we made together, they, like, once we settled on an idea, they were like, hey... Just so you know, I also want to animate this just for myself, and I'll send it over, like, so you can see, you know, like, which one you prefer. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, wow, this person is just so excited to work on this thing. And I'm like, they turned in everything early, and it was just, like, the smoothest process that I've had since I started. Um, And it was just really nice getting to work with them, another person of color, and then I was also able to, like, dig into the budget and give them extra because of the extra work they did. And, like, that, it just felt really nice. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really cool. So is there any advice that you have for anyone that is an emerging illustrator or a recent graduate or illustrators looking to break into uh, digital media with art directors? Like, mm-hmm. what are some general advice that you would give to them? My main thing is just, like, don't be afraid to, like, reach out, like, send an email or a DM and just be like, hey, can we you know, have, uh, you know, a Google Meets or a Zoom meeting or, like, a 30-minute kind of coffee, like, meetup just to talk about work and, like, hang out and, like, ask about your experience. I think that was, like, one of the biggest hurdles that, you know, it was difficult for me to get over was, like, just the act of, like, asking to meet up with, like, these people because I think when you're starting out, uh, these people kind of seem like they're on, like, a in a, in a different plane of existence, you know, you're like, oh, I really want to get hired by these people. But uh, from what I've found, especially here in New York, uh, people are just so nice and helpful and, like, they want to give you what you need as long as you just, like, you have to, like, physically ask for it, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and I think that's been the most helpful thing for me. And, like, because because of that and, like, making those relationships, like, that's how I got this job at you know, HuffPost, and that's how I got hired at Gizmodo, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was all, honestly, it was just all about, like, people 
people that I knew and relationships that I created. Yeah. Uh, like, how does someone, uh, like, build that connection? Is it just as simple as, like, having a Zoom coffee meetup if they're not from that city or uh, meeting up if they do come, if you're available? Or, mm-hmm. like, how, how does someone, like, naturally build that connection? Yeah, I mean, even if it's just, like, if someone's posting content that you really like or if there's an art director that, you know, is hiring for, mm-hmm. you know, if you like their style of art direction, which is, like, a whole other conversation, right? Yeah. Like, even just engaging with them and just being like, hey, really like this, like, this is sick, like what you did, mm-hmm. and kind of building that repertoire. Um, how, how often do you post about your art direction online, or do you not mm-hmm. at all? Uh, every now and then, uh, we have like a HuffPost visuals account that we just kind of got back access to. So we have been posting more regularly about our longer format projects. Um, and I usually post and like reblog stuff from there. Um, I usually post my personal stuff on my, on my page, but then I'll like reblog like art stuff from, uh, other hires. Mm Mm-hmm. How if an illustrator um, or or their agent asks for more money, mm-hmm. um, how often are you able to give that extra to them? Uh, it it just depends. It depends on if it you know what we're hiring for. Like if it's you know if it's a standard web OO and like honestly, most of it is just like what our budget constraints are mm-hmm. uh, because I have to go to. Uh, the head of visuals and ask them for permission um, and yeah. usually Christy is like all about you know like supporting the artists and she like wants to make sure everybody gets paid and like on a timely manner so if it's like reasonable like Christy's like all about it but like we also have like our own constraints like I have to ask her and then she has to ask someone else and so mm-hmm. well, uh, so this is going to be like my last money question <laughs> Mm-hmm. of the whole thing. But uh, one conversation that's kind of come up with uh, illustrators kind of in the zeitgeist of like Twitter and that whole thing, which is, you know, with inflation and with everything else kind of going on, illustrators have been mostly been paid the same uh, in traditional media for the past like 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. And with new media, it's kind of a wild west of like how much people are getting paid. Like I've gotten paid for like the same amount of work at one place for like $300 and another place for like eight twenty five. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is that a conversation that is happening within HuffPo or, uh, is it just that you're, you have to kind of work within the company of, you know, clearing your budget for the year and having a discussion of like what your monthly or your yearly or quarterly kind of budget is to hire out artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it mostly depends on, like, our year, our monthly and yearly budget. Uh, yeah. We're in the process of kind of uh, refining that for the new year. Um, but that's kind of one of the conversations that I wanted to initiate when I got into this job. Um, just because I am an illustrator first, um, and I worked in illustration for so many years, like, I, I know what that's like. Um and yeah, I want to make sure people get paid for like what they do. And, you know, like I, I am trying to like push the envelope. Um, like I said, like more representation and just hiring for more illustration in general. And I am hoping 
that all the work that I've hired for in the last couple of years, uh, the company will see like the value in that. And then like, you know, we'll get more resources to make cool stuff. Yeah. Um, do you still illustrate at HuffPo or do you just yeah. mostly hire out? Um, I illustrate and then I do collages. I do some design stuff. And then um, I would say I mostly kind of hire out and then just kind of like spearhead projects um, with some wireframing and stuff mm-hmm. as well. Um, I definitely draw less than I used to, but it's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. It's nice to kind of round out my skill set and like make different types of work. Yeah. How do you feel about illustration as a whole in the industry? You know, we were talking about budget growing and uh, kind of changing over the years. Like, where do you where do you feel like the work has changed? Like, do you feel like you were prepared when you graduated? Right. Do you feel prepared now? Because I feel like things are going more and more towards a digital space um, and also motion stuff and like typography. Like, did you see your work kind of transitioning down the avenue when you were in school? I think when I went to grad school at SVA um, in the uh, illustration as a visual essay program, um, I think it was like 2010 when the iPad was invented and was walked out on stage and my instructor, um, you know, who teaches like digital stuff, uh, came out and was like, so this thing is going to be like the future of everything in illustration. Like, um, you know, what we're going to see is we're going to see people actually using this as like a drawing application and people are going to use it to read magazines. It's going to like save the magazine industry and, I remember going to Icon Illustration Conference um, in Los Angeles, and they brought out, like, someone from Wired, The New Yorker, and The New York Times, and they basically told the entire crowd, like, you're all going to have to turn into animators tomorrow because you're not going to be able to get any illustration work. And basically the entire crowd... I'm being a little inflammatory when I say this, but basically the whole crowd booed them. (laughs) It was like, no, like, boo, like give animators jobs and have the illustrators just make the assets, which if I'm being honest, actually ended up happening like years later. um, I want to say about five years ago, uh, I started working with uh, a company called Flocabulary and, um, for every assignment that I work with them, I basically had just drawn illustrations and given them like the Photoshop files and they had their animator just cut them up and then turn them into animations for the company. And so cool. uh, I never uh, offered to animate anything for them because their animators and the stuff that they do is so complex. Uh, But I've ended up, you know, during the pandemic or the early years of the pandemic, uh, I, taught myself how to use Premiere Pro, uh, After Effects, uh, and just because I was like, oh, I'm kind of stuck in here. I should learn how to do some more stuff. And I already had been making animated GIFs because when I was in grad school, we were taught how to do that because they thought that that would be a good bridge for that kind of thing. So I think that there's a lot of work within the animation space. Uh, and I'm not talking about like full-on like going working on like TV shows, I'm talking like making bespoke stuff for media companies and things for the internet that, you know, are, are helpful for like 
campaigns and this and that to like actually like do something really good uh, out there. So I think like the biggest things, the biggest changes uh, that I've seen both uh, as like from a student perspective and also now as an instructor is that, uh, you know, there's actually a lot more business education that goes into these classes. I think like when I was a, a senior at the University of the Arts in Philly, uh, you know, they kind of threw in a lot of the business advice at the very like in the final like two semesters that you're there. And it kind of like was interwoven into the semester as part of the education so that it felt like cohesive, but people still felt really underprepared. Mm -hmm. um, and now uh, both at UArts and also I teach an online class at uh, CCS, which is College for the Creative Studies in Detroit. Uh, and I teach a business class there for illustrators and it's an entire semester, 15 weeks of everything from like thinking about yourself as a brand and like what that is and who your target markets are to, you know, straight to how your brand identity and brand are interconnected and how that kind of mm -hmm. flows through all of your marketing materials and social mm -hmm. media sites and, you know, uh, how to find work if you're looking for in-house work to, you know, working as a visual development artist to like everything else. And I've had to learn so much about more than just editorial and book and like traditional mm -hmm. like markets uh which is fun uh the other side that's fun about being an instructor because you don't know everything so you have to learn things uh right. so that you can teach that stuff too which is a lot of fun uh but uh I, I think that the where the industry is going i think it's still kind of in flux i think that right now we're about to head into another recession uh one we haven't seen like I think it's going to be different than what it was like in 2008 mm -hmm. through uh, two, 2008 through uh, 2010, 11, where I think that um, it, it's going to be a little bit less of a hard splash. And I think that, you know, companies are going to be thinking about budgets a little bit differently uh, and everything. And I, I really think that, like, maybe there's more of a transition to illustrators as the entrepreneur so i think that there's going to be a, li a little bit difference in how we think about not just selling our work but what we make and sell as products online uh because when i was in school like everyone was kind of like jumping on etsy because it was like mm -hmm. the big thing that came out in the early 2000s but now there's so many different options and uh so many ways to sell prints both automated and printed and all that so i don't know uh i think between all that and just everything else it's kind of difficult to see but mostly the one big change i think is uh to be an illustrator today you can't just be like an editorial illustrator mm -hmm. like you you have to work in multiple markets uh and have multiple streams of income to actually um survive feels a little harsh uh but i think to comfortably exist in the space of art and design is a bit mm -hmm. more accurate of a description um because i remember like you know at most i was making like 60 70 000 a year just from editorial alone and th that's gross income that's not net and mm -hmm. um it's just uh I think that, you know, now that I've incorporated teaching and I've incorporated contract work and animation work and 
uh, all sorts of stuff, I'm able to actually hit that, you know, low end three digits, uh, six digit income now, uh, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is exciting. Uh, But uh, that only came because I started to incorporate animation and a whole other sort of things to show that I'm not just a high concept conceptual illustrator, but I can actually say narratives and do all sorts of things that make me kind of attractive to clients. And then that takes time, a lot of energy and effort, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. It's a long I answer to like this, to <laughs> the state of like my own personal existence in illustration, but also yeah. just where things are going. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like it's just, uh, you know, in short, if you don't want to hear any of it, it's just, people working in multiple markets and, you know, having other skills and that's mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember you, uh, telling me years ago, um, you know, to be a good illustrator, you gotta be fast. You gotta be nice. Uh, <laughs> yep. uh, and you know, like what, like as an instructor, you know, um, and like seeing like the new kind of generation of students coming up and like you were offering some advice about like, how to be successful, um, you know, multiple kind of source income and like kind of diversifying your talents and stuff. Are there things that you see in your classes or like with other illustrators online, um, like kind of trends that you like, like newer trends that you see in terms of like marketing or just like the type of work that they're like posting? Like, is there a transition from editorial to like, you know, more animation focused stuff or type stuff. I think that like, without kind of getting into the weeds of like style trends, I think Mm -hmm. that uh, mostly the one thing that I've noticed is that we've kind of evolved, well, well, not evolved as a whole, but I think that the younger generation so far that I've been instructing, um, the one thing that I really like is that they've kind of have a knack for, you know, making work that uh, speaks from a place of, uh, emotional vulnerability and talking about you know how they're feeling and where they're going yeah that's really interesting because i mean even you know like five ten years ago like i think the thought of kind of making personal work about like you know who you are like if you're a person of color and like being attached to that and like putting like that info out on the on the internet or like whatever kind of political opinions you have you know like like people are like really wary of that at a certain point you know like at least I feel like at least I feel like I was and like people of color in general you know it was like that conversation of like do I want to post you know how I feel about this topic do I want to post like what I look like and like let these like publishers Mm -hmm. or companies know that I am a person of color yeah like just kind of seeing how that's changed over the years and like that is just like you know people being their authentic selves right and like uh posting work like that is like really freeing to see you know yeah um kind of backtracking a little bit though like uh from what i remember we kind of had like similar upbringings like you grew Mm -hmm. up in pennsylvania and like how did like what was your you know kind of trajectory like how did you end up in art and illustration uh well so um i grew up in i I grew up i want to say lower middle class, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in the framework of like, uh, what people made in, you know, central Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. I I grew up in a trailer park, you know, my mom was disabled. Uh, she had like a multiple heart attacks and she basically just got put on disability. And, um, you know, my stepfather worked as a truck driver 
And uh, my mom got some money from my father, who is like the head of a department at a community college in Harrisburg. And so um, basically, like, we didn't have a lot of money coming in uh, that often. I, you know, it was always we were spending more than what we were making. And so we were constantly, like, you know, paying off credit cards to then use those credit cards to then do the other things mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it took a, a, a while for my mom and, uh, you know, to kind of get out of credit card debt and everything. So, uh, you know, they did their best. And, um, you know, the reason why I went to art school was because I had an interest in, you know, actually, you know, painting canvases for gallery shows and stuff like that. But, um, you know, University of the Arts was like the only college that actually gave me any sort of scholarships that felt meaningful uh, or wasn't kind of um, a slap in the face of what mm. they were offering me. Like I got accepted into a school in, in San Francisco and they, you know, really didn't give me any funding. Uh, I got accepted into a school in Boston and basically they were like, we you know, we see your like SAT scores and we see your grades and stuff. And we'll accept you into this other program, this associates program. And then you can then transition into the bachelor program. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to go into a BFA program. So I didn't really feel that was meaningful. Um, and then uh, I got rejected from uh, a college in Baltimore uh, that mm-hmm. I really wanted to get into. And then I, I got accepted into uh, school in Philly and I was like, oh, well, it's only two hours away on Amtrak. And so my mom will be, you know, excited because I can always come home for the holidays really easy and it was, mm-hmm. it was a really good transition. And so I, you know, uh, intended to go into, you know, painting and drawing as a major, but I ended up, the more I was there, I took like an illustration, uh, like freshman year course. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed and really liked uh, illustration as a concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even took graphic design courses too um, mm-hmm. because I was interested in graphic design as well. And I just felt like, oh, like you can actually make money as an illustrator. You find out how much money you, you make before you actually do the drawing. And uh, that was really exciting to know. Whereas like, I was like signing up all, I was signing all these loans. I didn't really know how much money I was signing, signing for. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just felt so like, like out there. And I was like, all right, whatever. And uh, I was like, I don't know if I can hack it as just a gallery artist and pay all these bills and Mm -hmm. uh, kind of in, in, in the later years. So illustration just felt more like I could like, tell stories of my own but also be hired to tell stories that are not too far from the interests that i like drawing stories of and that felt so much more exciting to me and uh when i went to grad school for illustration uh well i should just say put a pin in saying undergrad taught me a lot about you know like what how to draw and like you know the kinds of drawings that i should be drawing and mark marketing a little bit and grad school i was able to have some internship internships with some illustrators and mm-hmm. um you know uh, I, I interned at three by three magazine for a little bit and um i uh basically 
studied and learned how to tell stories conceptually better through uh, the you know the illustrator that I asked to be my mentor for you know um, the school year my se- my senior year or second year really at SVA and I was really able to cut my teeth so that you know when I left I was able to tell stories through the lens of uh, vulnerability and um, you know coming of age kind of stories and stuff like that and that was that was really cool so uh, I felt like I had to really blend my whole like education to really understand me and who I was and where I'm going yeah I mean it, it sounds like you pretty much like done done it all right like you you went to college you know you went you know you went to grad school you freelance full-time for many years and now you're an instructor right like yeah you know, for people kind of coming up, like, do you see those experiences like, uh, you know, university and grad school, do you see those as like an essential path to like being an illustrator or a creative in today's market? I think or can you do it without those things. Like, do you think like mm-hmm. that was necessary for you? Well, I, I think that um, I, I feel like there's going to be something's going to happen within the education space in the next five years. Uh, because of the like the sticker price of college is not necessarily like the actual price the students pay um, mm-hmm. because of grants and also the colleges themselves offer students scholarships and everything that they provide. So let's say you, you go to a school that's $40,000 a year, mm-hmm. um, you know, you'll get, you know, grants and things from the government that, you know, you don't have to pay for. And then there are scholarships that the college then offers. So then you're really paying like, you know, ten to, you know, twenty thousand of that forty thousand dollars that you're actually going to school for. So uh, the cost of college is like a whole other conversation uh, when it comes to it. But when it comes to like the need for it, I think that what uh, I think that like eighty percent of what colleges teach you you can learn online like you can go on skillshare mm. domestica um you know read a ton of books on the subject but you know the other thing that you get from college is uh the actual community around it like a shared learning experience of students coming mm. together learning how to actually talk and critique work uh which is really important um mm. to actually go and um you know, talk with an instructor who has who has connections with people uh, in New York and Los Angeles and wherever in a discipline that you're interested in uh, or, you know, bringing a stack of books that you've never seen in your entire life from their own personal library or, yeah. um, you know, they actually a lot of a lot of these places have trips that you can go and. Mm. Uh, like I'm, you know, in Philly, uh, we we had like a portfolio day that we had in New York, but also we had a day where we traveled to New York to actually go to uh, illustrator studios, and some went to the New York Times to meet with art directors, and mm-hmm. like a whole variety of like choose your own adventure based on like the instructor and and all that. Some went to galleries and mm-hmm. this and that, and it's a whole slew of things and opportunities that you know, you're actually paying for that you don't actually see uh, or know about. Because a lot of people are like, you know, screw art school. Like, we don't need it. And I get that. Uh, Mm. Because if all you're trying to do is learn how to draw, you can go to like a community college and 
take a drawing class for like, you know, 200 bucks, you know, mm -hmm. or 500 bucks or whatever. Or if you want to learn how to like screen print or something like that, you can like buy books online and, or watch and watch videos on YouTube. But you know, the actual like building knowledge and critiquing and like actually excelling, that's just something that comes from, you know, the community aspect of, of college. And unless you go there, you have to reach out to people and try to get people to mentor you or, you know, have an apprenticeship for some kind of thing. And that's like a whole other level that, you know, you have to learn how to like ask these questions and like kind of mm -hmm. get there. And so I think that art school is good. And I think that it's, it's there and ready for people that want to do it and, you know, want to fill out all the forms and see if they can really afford it. But um, I think that, that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, someone who has a self-taught background can't do it. I think that it's just you have different struggles and hurdles that you have to get around uh, to that. The Internet has really opened up a bit uh, that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to kind of accomplish that life. Yeah. Yeah. Those like soft skills that you learn, um, I think are, you know, arguably even more important than like, you know, like the hard skills, right. Or like techniques yeah. or, you know, I think that like just learning how to talk to people and like, you know, give feedback or like extract the information that you need or want, you know, from, mm -hmm. from folks is like probably the most beneficial thing. So, uh, Ben, what are you currently obsessed with? So many things. Um, anybody that knows me knows that I am all about raw denim, menswear, and style stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm also the biggest video game nerd. Uh, God of War came out last week, and that has basically taken over my life. Um, also, I read a ton of Murakami, so I'm slowly making my way through his books. Uh, some of them I love, some of them not so much, <laughs> but yeah, I hear that. So you, 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 you call yourself like someone that's obsessed with denim, um, and, and everything, uh, even in your dating profiles, you, you've mentioned that as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, so what, what is it, what is it about denim, like salvage denim, Japanese denim, like all that, that is something that you are fascinated by? Um, I think as an artist, it's just like a really fun, creative kind of rabbit hole to fall down into, uh, just like from a craft standpoint. Um, and I think for me personally, like being a bigger dude, it was always really difficult to find um, like an aesthetic or a style or brands that fit me really well. And I think with raw denim and like menswear and kind of like heritage kind of clothing, I found my space where I felt like uh, I can really take care of my appearance and also like feel good. Um, mm -hmm. And then a lot of the brands, uh, I mean, there's just so many minute details that go into making a pair of pants that like you don't think of, you know, um, a lot of it's done by hand and hand stitched versus like, you know, kind of big box stores and giant factories. Um, small lots and exclusivity is like a big draw to it. Um, natural dyes. I'm also really into, you know, protecting the environment and raw denim is like a great way 
um, to kind of, you know, help my impact with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, less washing, you know, less fibers out there in the, in the ecosystem. And um, also a lot of these brands are just like really small teams and like really small shops of artisans. So it's, it's just fun to like really nerd out about all the different kind of intricacies of it. So like when you buy like a pair of pants, it's like $300. It has a different quality to it up and down versus like a pair of Levi's, which you can get for like 60 bucks. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just in terms of construction and stitching, you know, how, you know, the quality of the dye, uh, the weight of the fabric is a big difference. Um, a lot of jeans are dyed with like natural dyes. So you can have, I have a pair that's like matcha dyed. So like the inside is dyed with like matcha tea leaves um, or kakishibu, which is the skin of a persimmon fruit. Um, yeah. And then, you know, uh, it can go up in weight too. You know, you can have something, you know, Levi's is like around 10 to 12 ounces and you can have a pair that's double that. Um, I think the biggest draw to it is kind of having like a like a dark pair that um, you know wears and fades like based on your lifestyle and like you do that yourself. Like a lot of times in big box stores, you'll see like you know pre-distressed fades, um, and then sometimes they don't match up with your body, right? Like, have you ever had that? Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, I like that it's kind of like a blank canvas, and they like reflect you as a person and like what you do where you have your wallet, where you have your cell phone, like what, if you went hiking, you know? Yeah. What are, what are a couple of brands, um, that you're really into right now? Um, I really like naked and famous. They have their only flagship store in the U S here in Soho. Um, I really like Ironheart. Um, Imogene and Willie is also really great. They're based, uh, I think in Austin, I think. Mm. Uh, Pure Blue Japan, Samurai, Oni. There's a whole ton of whole ton of brands. <laughs> Amazing. And you know, on top of you being like uh, obsessed with uh, men's fashion, I know that you are a leather boot head in a way, uh, yeah. kind of like sneakerheads are. Uh, tell me more about that and like how you got into that. Is it also due to you needing like a certain size shoe that only mm-hmm. boots kind of fill in, or? Yeah, when I was living in Minneapolis, um, I just I I saw a crap ton of Red Wings all the time because Red Wing is based like in Minnesota. I didn't know that. Uh, I I always thought it was like a Detroit thing because of the logo and all that. Mm -hmm. No, uh, yeah, Red Wing, Minnesota, Um, and they're they're you know just synonymous with Minnesota, like you know, (laughs) like that northern kind of culture, Um, and so that's how I got into workwear. I originally got them because I like working in service industry, I was working at a pizza shop. I was working at a cafe. I was working at a hotel and wearing sneakers all the time. Uh, my art support was really bad. And so I got plantar fasciitis. And so I needed some, some shoes with like good art support. And so that's kind of how I fell into, into boots and like mm-hmm. red wings. And then, uh, once I got on Instagram and fell down the rabbit hole, uh, I found out about all these other brands and like custom stuff, and you know, it's been terrible for my wallet, honestly. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible. Wouldn't uh, recommend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I've I've been getting to records, and I've just mm-hmm. been buying them directly from the record company, or I've been buying them from like eBay and Discogs. So mm-hmm. I'm just like 
just dumping money into building out my collection because I never yeah. know Spotify might just implode one day and yeah. all of all of the music that I, I love gone. Uh, and so I've just been buying consciously like records that I listen to a lot and that have little to no skips at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And that's been a lot of fun yeah. um, for me. So uh, is there anything else about men's fashion that you've been really kind of getting down a rabbit hole of? Were you ever like a GQ subscriber or anything like that? Uh, not GQ. Um, I think like... recently uh, I've been really getting into leather jackets as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I made the investment into a custom one about a year and a half ago. And then uh, I was never a leather jacket person. And then once I did, uh, you know, now it's another one of those one of those demons I have to fight oh <laughs> not, to, not, to, uh, not to buy more. <laughs> so have you always been someone that's been really into video games? Yeah. Um, yeah. Ever since I was, I don't know, like ever since I can remember. I mean, I started like back with Super Nintendo and like Game Boy Color and that kind of like, you know, set the trajectory, I mm-hmm. think, for my life and then kind of how I ended up in art. Yeah, I feel like you either get into art because of like video games or like television or other types of media of some kind. And it's always kind of interesting. So right now you're playing God of War. That's the big game you're playing right now. Yeah, I've been playing that series since I was like 13. And the new one just came out. I've been waiting four years for it. And it is everything that I wanted in that game. (laughs) And it's, it's just great. Um, I usually don't have the attention span to sit and play like a story driven single player game anymore. Mm-hmm. I usually play like a lot of multiplayer stuff where I can get on and get a couple games uh, and get my fix. But this, it, you know, it's just like I'll sit down and then four hours will go by and I'm like, well, I haven't felt like this since I was like a teenager, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and when it comes to reading books, uh, are, are you a big reader? Like you have like a Goodreads uh, page where you list off all the books you read in a year or mm-hmm. is it nothing like that? Uh, I'm not quite that dedicated. Uh, I'm really bad with lists in general. Um, I should get better at it because I feel like the older I get, I forget all the things that I have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I read a ton of Murakami. I'm also into, you know, kind of high fantasy sci-fi stuff. So I kind of bounce back between that. Like I'm reading uh, Harbo Wonderland and the End of the World. But then I'm also reading this like high fantasy series by R.A. Salvatore about like dark elves and like dwarves and dragons. So like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it goes all over the place. Um, then I'm reading Cersei by Madeline Miller or the fifth season by uh, N.K. Jemisin. So mostly so, like fantasy work. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm the kind of reader where I buy books and I just put them on a stack. And then the four months out of the year where I am not teaching, I just read them. So yeah. I like a small stack forming uh, like on the other side of me right now. Yeah, it kind of goes in cycles, right? Like, I'll read constantly for, like, two months, and then I'll, like, forget about it for, like, another two months. And then, you know, like, then I'll binge. And I'm like, oh, I actually really like this. Why don't I do this more? And then, you know, back when I used to commute to an office all the time, I would read a lot just, like, on the train. 
Um, but now since I work from home, it's like feels like more of a, a leisure thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Do you do you feel like now that your 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 main thing is like you're working like ten to six, nine to five, whatever it is to get your work done, uh, that you're able to pour yourself more into some of your hobbies and like obsessions and things on the side or um anything like that? Yeah, I think having I think for me having that like kind of cut off to where like okay, this is my time is like really helpful. I mean, it never feels like it's enough, right? Uh yeah. so I think uh having like a, you know, a day job and uh also working freelance, I think they both have their draws. Um but um, yeah, for me, it's been really nice having that kind of stability to like really kind of fall into like my hobbies and like, you know, like being able to set aside uh, specific times. Like I know I'm available and like I can see friends and have a social life and then mm-hmm. like, you know, do these things. Whereas like when I was like working in service and then also trying to freelance, I felt like things were just kind of up in the air a lot of times. Yeah. So, but now, now that, okay. So, um, now that you feel like you maybe have more time to kind of do things, I know like being a freelancer, I kind of go through waves of like, you know, it it sucks when you can't really hang out with people and you're stressed out all the time. Mm -hmm. And then you actually have time to hang out with people. Um, and then, you know, you're like, I don't know, like, am I, do I have enough money to hang out? I don't know. Like kind of thing. It's the stressful thing about freelancing is like you either have like, money and you're working all the time or you don't. So now that you feel like things are kind of like, you know, pretty good and kind of steady, like, are you exploring New York city more or, uh, just like enjoying the city differently than you would have if you were just a freelancer still? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, like just feeling comfortable. Like if I want to have like a really nice out with friends, you know, like I don't, Mm -hmm. Like, I I know that I have some kind of stability, so, like, I can do, you know, like, I can do these things and not feel bad. I grew up, like, pretty poor, I think. Like, we we just didn't have a lot of money, so, like, this is, like, the first time uh, in my life where I don't feel like I'm, like, fighting to catch up all the time. Like, I'm not in survival mode, so, like, that's been interesting to get used to, you know, and it's, like... It took me 30 years, (laughs) you know, like, to get to that point, Um, and... Yeah, especially in a city like New York, I feel like so much of it is just being able to, like, physically go to these places and experience them. So, like, that's been nice. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what's keeping you in New York? Like, mm-hmm. what are what are things that you like about the city? What are things you don't like about the city since being here for five years? Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think when I first moved here, like the idea of, uh, like I said, you know, freelancing full time or like finding, finding like that career I can see myself at, you know, at for, you know, however many years. Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of what you touched on earlier, I think like the, the industry has changed and like, you don't necessarily need to be here anymore for things. Um, I think my, I think the friend circle that I'm like slowly building and like the community here is like what keeps me here. It's like Mm -hmm. a lot of my like really close friends are here, are here now in New York. Um, and you know, I kind of like view New York as like, you know, one of my homes now. So, um, but 
I don't know. On the other hand, I do miss driving. <laughs> I miss driving. I miss uh, having, you know, space. Miss having a washer and dryer for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh. I was uh, talking with my buddy Rob on Instagram the other day. He he works at Nike. Um, and him and his partner just got, like, the cutest little bulldog mix. And, like, they have, like, a super kind of, like, design Pinterest, like, home. Oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, man. Like... Imagine what that would be like. <laughs> you know. I mean, I don't know. Um, I've like, like some of my some of the things that I've done that have kind of uh, scratched that itch. I guess is that I have like taken trips up state and like I've stayed in like Cold Spring and Kingston and just like around the cat skills for like a long weekend and went hiking and just kind of like taking nature. I've ridden with a bunch of friends on my motorcycle to like kind of scratch the itch of like driving a little bit and even drive around the city to kind of like take care of things, uh, you know, instead of taking the subway uh, and, and all that. And so I, I kind of understand where you're coming from, but also for me, like living in New York, I think it's becoming less and less so about connections because I feel like I've made all those over the last, mm -hmm. you know, 13, 14 years of living here. Mm -hmm. And it's more so just about, you know, the community of friends that I've kind of built around me uh, from acquaintances all the way up to, you know, best and close friends that I really deeply care about. And I hang out with more often, uh, you know, than not. And also just the fact that New York City is a city of convenience. Like, I drop mm. off my laundry yeah. and and pay a small fortune for them to <laughs> clean it and fold it for me. Yeah, and uh, there's, like, <laughs> literally, I, I, uh, I walk out onto my street corner, and there's, like, five delis that are fighting for my business. And, <laughs> you know, a health food store and... Uh, like two health food stores and like one bigger grocery store within like two blocks of my apartment. And so I can literally, it, it's like, a, it's a city of convenience of, of things mm -hmm. around me. But uh, the fact that like, you know, I'm lucky that my rent didn't go up uh, this year. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I moved from Ridgewood, Queens to Bushwick, Brooklyn, the cool hipster side. So I don't know, like I feel like, uh, the side of the neighborhood that I live on is not the best, but I think that for what it is, it, it's, it's pretty nice. Like how, how do you feel about your neighborhood in Brooklyn? Uh, I live in Bed-Stuy and it's, it's honestly beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I've been here at this apartment for a little over two years now. And, um, it's great. Honestly, like the, my super, you know, lives in my building right below me. He's like the coolest dude. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it, my last place, the subway, was, like, right outside my door, right? Oh, and now no. I have to, like, walk, like, eight minutes. So I'm still feeling, like, a little salty about that. But it's been two years, so I'll get over it. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say, like, oh, the subway is right outside my door, and I have to yeah. deal with all the people leaving and going, you know? Oh, kind of no. No, no. I got to walk, like, eight to ten minutes to the subway. That's the only yeah. thing. But, yeah, I mean, just, like, yeah, being able to just kind of walk around the block into a, a deli, you know, or a bodega and like have like, you know, have mm -hmm. something made real quick or 
um, being able to walk a few blocks to like a fantastic restaurant, you know, like Saragina oh, yeah. or being able to pop over to Sisters or uh, Glorietta Baldi, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like, it's really nice. Um, do you think you'll live in New York forever or do you feel like you have an expiration date and you want to go live that Pinterest life that your friend has? <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to go live that Pinterest life at some point. Uh, yeah. New York isn't forever, but I don't know when, I don't know when that date is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I also really want to kind of travel internationally and, you know, mm-hmm. especially since, uh, I work remotely, I want to take. Uh, more advantage of that in the new year so you know maybe it's a thing is like you know new york's like a home base for a while and then i you know pop around for a little bit and so like, you want to like take advantage of uh these like digital nomad laws that have been popping up all over the world yeah yeah i've been looking at that i think it's what 40 40 49 49 48 countries right now that have a digital yeah. nomad visa um yeah i mean even if i don't get a visa like if i just pop pop around somewhere for like a month or two and then like, mm-hmm. you know, go somewhere else just on my passport. Like, um, it'd be really cool to have that opportunity. Uh, if I ever stop buying denim and I pay off my credit card bills, that's oh, yeah. the next thing. <laughs> um, have you done any sort of traveling, uh, you know, domestically or internationally that feels noteworthy? Um, yeah, I mean, in the last couple of years, not so much because I've been pretty COVID conscious, um, right. but, uh, I went to, I think Argentina in 2018, um, 2019, I went to Iceland. Um, those are both incredible trips. Wow. Uh, 2016, I went to Japan for a few months and kind of hopped around and like, that was incredible. Um, yeah, I'd love to have like an extended trip like that again. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I've I've only done some international travel in Europe and uh I go to Canada all the time and that's barely international for us cuz it's just like it's just up there and it's not yeah. that much different other than um they measure gas in liters other than gallons and <laughs> you have to kind of wrap your head around that mm-hmm. and then you're like, "Wait, gas is actually a lot more expensive." Yeah. Well, I remember, like, I lived in Minnesota for, like, seven, seven, eight years and then never just drove up there to Canada. It's literally, like, on the border and never went up there. Right. So. <laughs> Have you never gone to Canada? No, not once. Okay, so what we're going to do is uh, after we get off the podcast, we're going to talk about how we're going to both go up to Canada at the end of April to go to TCAF together. Uh, Toronto, Toronto, Toronto Comics and Arts Fest, and okay, I'm down. We're gonna go to all of the favorite places that I like to go, and it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good time. Cool, let's do it. Uh, what is something that you're reading, watching, or listening to that you recommend other people check out? Hmm. Um, I'm currently watching uh, The Good Doctor right now. Uh, so if you're into like the Grey's Anatomy medical drama stuff, it's really well done. Uh, I just restarted uh, Sons of Anarchy, so there's. Uh, have you been watching? Like, have you been watching Mayans MC at all? Yeah, it's so good. That's oh, why. That's, yeah. that's why I started rewatching it. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta do something to hold me over to the new season. So mm-hmm. uh, has that made you want to get like a, a cruiser and learn how to ride a bike, or no? Uh, I don't know about a bike, but like definitely like a like a leather vest, I'm an eye in it for sure, or like a denim vest. You know what I mean? To put a hoodie yeah. over it, and I'm like, mm, I could see myself doing that. That'd be, that'd be fun. Yeah. 
Well, Ben, thank you so much for being here and doing the podcast. I really appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great.